inside the confines of a standardized curriculum box to a teaching and learning space that is more creative? And how can you make this leap in your teaching practice in an easy and more systematic way that doesn't create more work for yourself during planning sessions? This is what I'm hoping to accomplish with Get Off the Dotted Line, a podcast that gives elementary teachers simple step-by-step tools, guidance, and advice on how to make teaching more creative without sacrificing high-quality content, instruction, skills, and amazing learning potential for your students. I'm your host, Dr. Paige Hendricks, and together we will explore different ways to simplify your planning and add a lot of creative impact that is outside the confines of standardized curriculum and the dotted lines. In today's podcast, we are going to talk about how important mathematics instruction is in the early grades and five mathematical instructional components you should think about and use to engage those young children in mathematics instruction every day. These five mathematical instructional components also come with corresponding practical classroom ideas you can implement tomorrow. Even if you currently teach third through fifth grades, this podcast provides information that is applicable for higher grades as well. So by the end of this episode, I promise you will have five mathematical instructional components you should think about and use to engage your students in math instruction every day. And stay tuned for the cut that out section of this podcast, where I'll give you access to a handout so you can remember the tips we talked about and use them right away. Whether you consider yourself a creative teacher or not, or just need a spark to re-energize your classroom atmosphere tomorrow, This episode will help you confidently engage your students and create an atmosphere for high-quality content, instruction, and amazing learning potential to begin. This podcast comes from an interesting article published in 2008 by Dr. Herbert Ginsberg of Teachers College at Columbia University and his colleagues, Drs. Lee and Boyd, entitled Mathematics Education for Young Children, What It Is and How to Promote It. I've included a link to this article in the show notes. It must be said that this article is part of a long list of articles that center around Dr. Ginsburg's research on early childhood mathematics education. I've also included in the show notes Dr. Ginsburg's contact information at the Teachers College, which provides links to his more current work and research. Dr. Ginsburg, if you're listening, thank you for your work, and I hope I do you proud. Let me begin by mentioning why Dr. Ginsburg's article is worthy of consideration. Aside from it being high-quality research, I have always considered early childhood education, including kindergarten, a true gateway to successful academic learning for all children. There are a multitude of research papers written on the benefits of early education for children, but especially those children of color and how these benefits, when started early in their lives, collect and build upon themselves over time. Dr. Ginsburg's article addresses all of these concerns and more. This cumulative educational and learning trajectory is called the Matthew Effect of Accumulated Advantage, or simply the Matthew Effect for short. 
The Matthew effect was named after the Bible's Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verse 29, which states, For to every one who has more be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who has not, even what he has will be taken away. Defined in 1968 by Dr. Robert K. Merton and his wife, Harriet Zuckerman, and used again in reading literature by Dr. Keith Stanovich in 1986, the Matthew effect states simply that the rich get rich and the poor get poorer. So how does the Matthew effect translate into education? Simply, if a child fails early in a subject area, let's use mathematics since that's our focus today, this child will begin to dislike math over time or cumulatively. This child will then do less math and as a result learn less math than their classmates. As a consequence of liking, learning, and doing less math, this same child will easily fall terribly behind in mathematics instruction over time. So in essence, the mathematical rich get richer and the mathematical poor get poorer, herein the Matthew effect of accumulative advantage. So getting back to the importance of early childhood learning and kindergarten, it becomes of the utmost importance to teach mathematics to early learners in order to combat the Matthew effect over time. And Dr. Ginsburg's research proves not only should teachers teach mathematics to young children, but these same young children are perfectly capable of learning high-level math concepts. So everyone who's listening and teaches pre-K or K or even first grade, please take notice. Yes, you should be teaching mathematics every day to your students. Not only are you helping to lay a solid mathematical foundation for these little humans, you are doing your part to counteract the Matthew effect. It was also written that mathematics instruction at an early age is probably a better precursor to whole education instruction over time than even reading. So go on, teach that math. Early mathematics instruction helps all students, and especially students of color, to have and exhibit learning confidence in themselves. It also doesn't hurt that these students who learn math well early in their lives become more successful students overall, and better mathematicians in second, third, fourth, fifth grades, and beyond. Early mathematical education has been shown to provide a foundation for later academic success, and like I just mentioned, it might even be a better precursor of academic success than even reading. Ginsburg and his colleagues state everyday mathematics is an essential and even inevitable feature of the child's cognitive development, and like other aspects of the child's cognition, such as theory of mind or critical thinking, it develops in the ordinary environment, usually without direct instruction. Indeed, everyday mathematics is so fundamental and persuasive a feature of the child's cognition that it's hard to see how children could function without it. So what is he saying here? Well, small children from birth actually are already learning mathematical topics and understandings like number sense and geometry. Can you believe that? In the ordinary environment, young children develop a comprehensive everyday mathematics entailing a variety of topics, including space, shape and pattern, as well as number and operations, and even comprising important features. 
Teachers of early education simply need to capitalize on this already started process and teach that math. Now that it's clear that young children are already advancing in their mathematical thinking, let me discuss the five early mathematical instruction components that we, as teachers, can implement to provide higher quality mathematics instruction to our youngest children. But really, these are good for all elementary age children. So let's begin. But before we do, one other thing. So as I go through these five mathematical instruction components, please note that I will also be saying things like, there's a tool from me, which is how you would implement that component into your classroom right away. So here we go. Component number one. Mathematical instruction should include teaching bigger ideas, such as number and operations, geometry, like shape and space, measurement, and even algebra, including patterns. Within the learning contexts that promote problem solving, analysis, and communication. These challenging math topics for all ages go well beyond drill worksheets or memorization of facts. Now, there is a time and place for going over things again and again to make sure you've got them correctly, or even memorizing simple and easy basic math facts. But what we're talking about here is making sure that students have more concepts that are bigger ideas in mathematics that are taught more often than just the worksheet or just the memorization. It provides children with examples and projects that are attached to the real world and help children think about possible solutions in mathematical terms. So here's the tool from me. Find the shapes and numbers and measurements within your own classroom walls. For example, take a look at all of the bulletin boards in your classroom. What shape are they? Can you measure them? Take a look at the sizes of the desks. How tall are they from the ground? Can you measure them? Walk outside your class and determine the shapes of your school building, like maybe stand in front of it and see, are there certain shapes that make up your school building? Measure in little feet how long it takes you to get from your classroom to the cafeteria, or from your classroom to the music room, or just from your classroom to the next door classroom. Count your chairs, your tables, your blocks in the block area, anything that you can see. So get the students looking for shapes, numbers, and measurements just within your classroom walls. Component number two, provide children with a plethora of materials in the classroom to do math with. For the youngest children, we often see water tables and blocks and puzzles in their classrooms, and these are really a must. But for slightly older children, providing manipulatives, games, Puzzles and objects to study with, ponder and create things, learning math are really also important too. So here's a tool from me. Hit up your nearest dollar store for objects such as rulers, rubber bands, sticks, or etc. because all of these can be helpful. And anything you have lying around that can be useful too, like pennies, a bag of beads, pom-poms, or cotton balls. Dried beans are super cheap and pennies are often plentiful, but you could also think about things like buttons or Legos or make your own Play-Doh with your students. There's also things outside like acorns or small rocks from the playground that you can see around your school building. So get creative and keep it super cheap. I talked about many of these manipulatives in episode 16 called Visual Teaching Strategies in Mathematics, so go check it out. 
But remember too, pencil and paper are appropriate here for children to measure or tally and write down their mathematical thinking because the possibilities are endless here and can also be very inexpensive. Component number three, play. There's a solid, large, and growing group of educational literature that states that play is the best learning experience around. In early childhood education, play is a major component of the school day. But as the children age, the idea of play becomes less and less a part of their day. I take this concept of play and put it directly into mathematics education. Children should be able to play with math. But what does that mean? For me, it meant that on occasion, I would put up a more challenging math problem on the board and ask different students to solve it. Right or wrong, it was a way to play with their thinking about math and how that problem could be done. Or maybe it's challenging students to create and solve math problems in everyday life. Like, how would the school raise funds for a new playset? What kind of playset could we get? How large or small would it be, and how would it get installed? What components does it have included in it to play on? Like, does it have a slide or a swing or a treehouse? And who gets to play on it? What happens to the old one, if that exists? And I'm reminded again, too, of my training in problem and project-based learning, but also a book that was recommended to me called Starting from Scratch by Stephen Levy. I have a link to the Amazon for a copy of the book in the show notes, so I highly recommend you check it out. In the book, Starting from Scratch, Stephen explains how the curriculum for his elementary students came from, well, them. Stephen began the school year without classroom furniture and offered the students the ability to make what they needed. In fact, he started a classroom with nothing. It had nothing, nothing on the walls, nothing on the floor, no desks, no chairs, nothing. And the students actually made everything they thought they needed for the whole year. Now, in the current classroom, this approach seems a bit extreme, and if I were in the classroom today, it's probably something I would not attempt, but the point is valid. Help students look around and find something in real life that really relates to them, that they can create and possibly solve in order to play with the math. That's my tool. Look around and come up with real-life challenges that need solving, and then get to solving them. Component number four. Select a high-quality mathematics curriculum that offers organized, planned math activities. Remember that curriculum is a written instructional blueprint and set of materials for guiding students' acquisition of certain culturally valued concepts, procedures, intellectual dispositions, and ways of reasoning. Okay, in short, it's really the stuff that you get in that box that help you understand what you need to teach and how you might go about teaching it. But it's not the end-all be-all, and you should make sure that your math curriculum is robust enough that it's worthy of attention every day and helps your students learn the math. So my tool If you can, get on your math curriculum adoption committee so you have a say into what is adopted for your school. Being on that committee not an option? 
then spend 15 minutes going through the teacher's guide table of contents and seeing if the topics in that math curriculum that you were handed align with the NCTM standards, that's the National Council for Teaching of Mathematics standards, or if you go by the Common Core standards, look at the math ones, or any state math standards that you have to abide by, or any other standards that your school and district have deemed necessary and appropriate for teaching math. Believe me, this should only take you about 15 minutes, and it's 15 minutes well spent. It can give you a better idea of what you're teaching all year, and it can help you find some things that are missing. So if you do find those missing things, get together with your grade level colleagues and brainstorm, or like I mentioned before, look around your room or outside your classroom window for ideas to fill in those gaps. Component five. Talk and engage your students in high-level mathematics language and instruction. Instead of just telling your students how to solve a particular problem one way, Ginsburg stresses engaging your students in conversations about their mathematical thinking. That means it's a give and take. Both you and the student are going back and forth about how the math is going. He also stresses using high-level math language with your students, even if they are young. So my tool? Check out episode 18, where I discuss mathematical phrases that you can use to help engage your students in talking about math. Here's a sneak peek with some tweaks from that episode, because you're asking these of your students instead of at them and stating how you feel about the problem or having them state how they feel about the problem. So take a listen. You could ask something like, how can you prove your answer? What is the problem asking? Does this make sense or does it make sense to you and why or why not? What did you do first to solve this problem? Or even, what did you notice about this problem and what does it make you think about? I'll put these on the handout that goes with this podcast, so head on over to my website at pagehendricks.com and download it for free. So there you have it, five mathematical instructional components that we as teachers can implement to provide higher quality mathematics instruction to our youngest students and really to all of our students. One of these may be very relevant in your school situation right now, so give it a try. And here they are again. Component one, mathematical instruction should include teaching bigger ideas. Component two, provide children with a plethora of materials in the classroom to do math with. Component three, play. Component four, select a high-quality mathematics curriculum that offers organized planned math activities. And component five, talk and engage your students in high-level mathematics language and instruction. So there you have it, five mathematical instructional components you can use to help make mathematics creative, engaging, and culturally rich for your students. Whether you consider yourself a creative teacher or not, or just need a spark to re-energize your classroom atmosphere tomorrow, I hope these five mathematical instructional components will help you confidently engage your students and create an atmosphere for high-quality content, instruction, and amazing learning potential to begin. Before we part, this section of the podcast called Cut That Out is one I do every time. Here I'll give you access to a handout so you can remember the five mathematical instructional components to think about, plan, and practice in your classroom. 
You can find the handout on my website at pagehendricks.com. That's P-A-I-G-E Hendricks.com, along with today's show notes. so much for joining me this week. To review key takeaways from today's episode and get the free handout, please visit my website at pagehendricks.com. That's P-A-I-G-E Hendricks.com. Before we go, I hope you have enjoyed this podcast and want to listen to more. Please subscribe to get off the dotted line. I can't wait to share another podcast with you. Thank you again for joining me, Dr. Paige Hendricks, in today's episode of Get Off the Dotted Line. See you next time.